This is the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel, taking a bite-sized look at some of the big Liverpool FC talking points. Hello and welcome to a bonus Blood Red Podcast, a Q&A special. We normally get you to submit your questions every few months, often mysteriously at the time of an international break when there's not much happening. wonder why that could be. And we did that, of course, a week or so ago with you responding in droves. Liverpool, though, had other ideas about it being a quiet time, deciding to splash an initial £37 million on signing Luis Diaz. And then, of course, they went after Fulham's Fabio Carvalho too. That meant that we didn't have time at the time to answer your questions, but we haven't forgotten them. And we are going to go back through them and have a look through them now. With me to do that are the Echoes, Ian Doyle and Hannah Pinnock. And we might as well dive straight in, Doyle. There's plenty of, of questions to go through. Hopefully, I won't butcher too many people's names. The first one should be fine. Ellie McDowell. And, and Ellie asks, I keep seeing that Liverpool have signed Luis Diaz. This means that they will have to sell either Sadio Mane or Mohamed Salah. Would it not make more sense for them to maybe lose a squad player like Divock Origi or someone else somewhere else across the pitch? What are your thoughts on that one? And obviously, Ellie, they're asking about a new signing and, and what that means for, for the future of the front three. Easy one to start with. Um, yeah, I think I think you've got to bear in mind that probably Origi's leaving anyway. And Minamino, you know, interested to see what happens with him in the summer. And the other thing is Diaz wasn't, we've said this on the podcast a few times now, Diaz wasn't supposed to be here. He only, he only signed him uh, in last month because Tottenham were going to sign him. So they were going to move for him in the summer. So there is that. You have to bear that in mind. I mean, Liverpool, yeah. I mean, if they do lose Origi, well, they probably will lose Origi. They could lose Minamino. They're going to need numbers up front, and perhaps Diaz is somebody there that can that they bought him with that in mind. But the other thing is the complication is that Salah, Firmino, and Mane at the end of the season will only have a year left on the contract. And we've said a long time that at least one of them will probably sign a new deal. And I wouldn't be surprised if one of them moves on because you know things change, football changes, and perhaps they've seen there's a big competition for places in the Liverpool lineup, and they've thought, well. I've been here five or six years. It's time for me to go and do something new, and that that would be fair enough. But that's just me guessing. I mean, yeah. Ultimately, I think ideally, Jurgen Klopp would like to keep all of them, but he knows he's probably not going to be able to. Yeah, quite a few people, Hannah, are asking about whether the, the, the Luis Diaz signing will sort of have a, an impact on contract negotiations and, and what people might be thinking in terms of that front three or front four as it is now. What are your thoughts on on that? Is it a case that that Luis Diaz will will impact that, or is is this someone that they should have in addition to the players that they've already got? Obviously, Diaz coming in it adds that much needed depth that everyone's always talking about, and that, you know that criticism that's always thrown at Liverpool is we lack depth and we don't have the quality on the bench. So, what Diaz brings is that. <clears throat> so you know, if you lose then Mane or Salah or, or Firmino, you know, then then you, you're back to square one, really, and you're back to, you know, not having the depth. So um, I'd like to think that it would, you know, they would extend their, their contracts, but um, that's up to them, um, I think. So Klopp, like Ian said, would, would like to keep all of them. Um, he wouldn't. <laughs> um, but the, the squad does have to be refreshed at some point and you need to, you can't let them all, age together you need to bring that average age of, of the front three down um but you know you're, you're starting to see that the links appear you're starting to see rumors that the spain want or the spanish clubs want Mane or, or Firmino, and um you know they might they might decide that that they want to move on they might decide that 
you know, the, the time at Liverpool has come to an end. But um, <clears throat> interestingly, though, I I do feel like um, whether or not, you know, Salah wanting his contract, um, whether or not what he whether or not his then means that I don't I don't know if that's one of the other questions, but whether or not his contract, whether or not they can afford to keep both of them, and whether or not Mane's demands are, are similar to that of Salah's. I, I do feel like Mane winning Afcon, he, he sort of has that string to his bow now. He he has that in his armor, and whether or not he he demands similar sorts of, of wages, and whether or not that's something that that Liverpool can afford. Um, I think that would be interesting to see. Yeah, plenty of, of questions around contract story. I mean, Brian Caldwell asks, is it basically between Sadio Mane and, and Mohamed Salah or, or can Liverpool do both? As, as Hannah says there, obviously, ideally, you'd probably like to do both. But does it mean if, if one signs, the other one is, is any less likely? Not really. I don't, don't think they're linked, to be honest. I think Salah and Mane's contracts do separate things. Same with Firmino. I think we've also got to bear in mind that Liverpool have shown their hand a little bit by trying to sign Cavalio, which I'm sure we'll get a question on that a bit later on. But... You know, that does suggest that the, a couple of players could leave in, in the in the forward line in the summer. So we'll have to wait and see. But no, Salah's contract is something completely different to Mane's. We might as well talk about Fabio Cavallio now then. I mean, he's obviously a player that can play in the, the midfield areas as well. He can play in the, the forward line options. We've said on, on previous podcasts that you probably expect him to, to come in in the summer. And again, it's it's just that next step in the evolution, as, as Hannah says as well, Doily, in terms of the sort of lowering the, the age of the squad, increasing the, the likelihood of them being able to, to keep the, the succession plans going. Well, they've already been doing it. The great myth is that they haven't been, they just left the squad edge because they haven't, because they got Canati, didn't they, last summer? They got uh, Jota the, the year before that. Harvey Elliott, who people at the time were thinking, oh, you know, that's not really a proper signing in 2019. It's like, well, they're not saying that now, are they? So, you know, Liverpool have, they've addressed certain certain matters. Not all of them will, will come up because not all signings do come up. You know, Liverpool, in fact, Liverpool's record of the actual, you know, given the money they spent on players, almost all of them have ended up being successes and even the ones that haven't been massive successes where you could argue, for example, is Naby Keita been worth his £52.75 million? Pounds? Well, he won the Premier League, he won the Champions League, he won, all, he won those trophies. So I'd say from that, that respect, yeah, that did fail. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to, to Alex Fogarty's question, Hannah. He talks again about the kind of succession plans and, and what might happen in the future. He says, with Harvey Elliott rejoining the first team after injury, Curtis Jones and Tyler Morton also impressing when given opportunities. Do Liverpool actually need to enter the transfer market for another midfielder come the summer? I think they do. Um, I think there's still a Wijnaldum-shaped hole in the squad and, and you know, Milner's it. Milner's contracts expiring at the end of the season so it, it, it might be that he moves on as well um, you know so when you look at it you know at the moment we've got a lot of a lot of midfielders but um, come come the summer that might not be the case and there's still question marks as well over the over the futures of, of Naby Keita and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain they're in a similar situation where their contracts are expiring at a similar time so um you don't quite know yet. You know, there's still question marks, but hopefully they will extend their contracts and they will stay. But there's still question marks. So I think midfield is a glaring position. I think in Liverpool squad where they need they need to add depth, and they're probably going to need to dip into the market to do that. 
Um, <clears throat> without a doubt, they've got quality youngsters coming through. I mean, Harvey Elliott especially is exceptional and, and one of the most exciting young players I've I've seen in, in the last few years. So, But even then, there's still the question of, of whether or not over time he moves further forward, obviously, through a lot of his... Um, you know, youth days, he, he was playing further forward and, and more on the wing. Obviously, he's dropped back into midfield in order to break into this Liverpool team. So whether or not over time he moves further forward, that might be the case, And in, in which case <clears throat> you're going to need more midfielders. But you, you need you need experience as much as you need youth. So if you're losing experienced players and potentially in the likes of Milner or, you know, you've, you've lost Wijnaldum as well, um, you need to bring players in, in to, to help that. So I still think um, a midfielder should be and, and most likely will be a top priority for the summer. Should that be the, the priority, Doyle, in terms of, of the midfield? Or, or is is Fabio Cavallio the, the kind of answer to that? Is is that the player that Liverpool think that they might use in that midfield area? Well, I think if, they've got to, if they are going to sign and they get it done, then he'll won't be somebody to go straight into the team and play every single week, but it could be, you know, option in in the terms of possibly replacing one of Cater or Oxley Chamberlain. I'd be surprised if the pair of them are both still at the club uh, this time next year. I think Liverpool do are midfield the short going on the long term because you know as Hannah said about Milner, you know, as we mentioned then about Oxley Chamberlain and Cater. Henderson's not getting any younger. Henderson, we've said a few times, will probably take on the Milner role, um, which is fair enough. But they probably need more of a defence-minded midfielder or someone who's a bit of a box-to-box. Not not exactly like Van Alden, but there are players out there. But the only problem is for players like that, Liverpool would want to sign them of age 23, 24, and they're going to cost quite a lot of money. And I know there's one England international playing in Germany at the moment who I think everybody would quite like to see play for Liverpool. But, you know, if, if they do go for him, don't be surprised if one or two other players... You know, dis- you know, disappear, get sold. Not, not really just like get rid of them, but <laughs> yeah, they uh, get sold because they're going to have to pay for it, and also because they need the space in the squad. You don't spend that much money on a player and then just say to you going to be playing every three weeks. You'd, you'd be expected to be playing most weeks, and then you know suddenly Liverpool have got a lot of options again in midfield. So you know, Klopp said this at the moment he's got everybody fit. It's unusual, and it is unusual. I think Liverpool have got eight midfielders at the moment to pick from. And that's not counting um, Tyler Morton. So there's plenty of them to go at the moment, but that could be all changed in the next. It was only, what was it, December? That's when Tyler Morton was playing against Tottenham in the first team because everybody else couldn't play. So it wasn't that long ago that they had nobody available. So you know, the, Liverpool at the moment just have to you know, make the most of what they've got. But in the summer, you know, as Hannah said, I think a new midfielder, he, that is the priority now because they've already got the main forward in already. The Agenda on the Blood Red channel. Yeah, a couple of questions now from Fergus MacJockada, I'm going to go with. Uh, apologies if I've unfortunately right. that. Right. Let's, let's say that that's right. I've said it reasonably confidently. Um, and he asks, Fergus asks, Hannah, Naby Keita, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Takumi Minamino, could Liverpool cut losses on each of them to save money on the wage bill in the summer? And how likely is it do you think that they might be tempted to, to sort of listen to, to offers for those players? There's certainly three names that have struggled to really establish themselves as, as first-team players and regular starters under Klopp. So there are certainly decisions that need to be made there. Obviously, Minamino is one that, you know, was a very 
low risk signing in terms of the money that he was brought in with, brought in for. So, um, but he's, you know, failed to really hit the ground running and, you know, ended up going out on loan to Southampton at the end of um, for the second half of last season. So um, I think it's clear that he's not quite at that level of Mohamed Salah and, and Sadio Mane, but you wouldn't have expected him to be anyway, really. But that does then mean there is that drop-off. So um, that's why ultimately Luis Diaz has been brought in. Um, if anything, it, it sort of feels like it will largely be down to to them and whether or not they, they feel like they'll get more game time elsewhere and whether or not the players themselves feel like it's best for their careers to move on at this point if they're not going to you know, truly break into this Liverpool starting eleven, and they're not going to be regular starters, um, or whether or not they want to want to stay and fight for their place. I mean, it doesn't really strike me as a, as a case of trying to cut players off the wage bill or, or anything like that. Um, and and Naby Keita's one especially that I, I would like to think has a future at Liverpool, and you wouldn't, you know, want to necessarily move him on. He was bought in for fifty million, and. For the money that that was, he's, he's maybe not quite lived up to that level of expectation of, of being a regular starter, but injuries have, have played their part. Um, but he's certainly still young enough that that he, I, I'd say, he does have a future at Liverpool, and he's got time on his hands really to to prove himself and and become a regular starter at Liverpool. But um, for Ox and Naby especially, with with where they're at with their contracts, um, decisions will be made. They might not all stay, but there's certainly, I'd say, still room for them in the squad. Yeah, certainly a little bit of movement could be possible in the summer for each of those three. And Fergus's second question, well, his third question, actually, his second question was how long will it be until he becomes the Watford manager? But we'll uh, we'll move beyond that one. His third question was, Gordy, what have you made of, of Thiago Alcantara so far? And will he prove to be a good buy? I suppose the, the question is, has he been a, a good buy already? I'd probably argue that he has been, to be honest. But in terms of, of his Liverpool career so far, how much have, have we seen from him and, and how much more could there be from him in future? Well, I think he's been decent, actually. I mean, what was his record? We were talking about this the other day. The last 20 games he started, Liverpool were beaten and they've won the last 15. So I'd say that's pretty good going for him. Uh, you know, obviously at the beginning, there was a, you know, he got the injury, didn't he? Yeah, COVID got the injury and then he walked into a Liverpool team that suddenly went absolutely rubbish. So that didn't help so much. But he was integral to them finishing the top four last season when he's played this season. Say they've won all 10 games that he started. So he's going to be important. And you know, we've spoken about the partnership he's got with Fabinho in midfield. That seems to work very well. And then it's always, you know, somebody else just seems to pop in the, in the third slot and whoever it is, they, they just keep on getting the results. So he's somebody who can control a game, somebody who's, he obviously. What's been interesting for me is that he's he's clearly he, he has the graft as well, doesn't he? he? Likes getting stuck in. When he first came, he, he went to ground an awful lot with slide tackles and kept on getting booked. And it was like, come on, don't do that. And you saw that against uh, Leicester on Thursday. He put in quite a few, you know, a few good tackles, dispossessed Leicester players a few times, got Liverpool moving, and he's you know he's the kind of player that they they, they brought him in, didn't he? To when they come up against these teams who have uh, you know play a very defensive setup, he can move them around and. I can think of the Wolves game away this season where he had a very good game and I know Liverpool left it late, but the constant pressure was was helped by him and there's been quite a few games as well where he's done pretty well. So, yeah, I think he's been good. And that's not so much that he's got more to come. What is he now? He's nearly 30 if he's not already 30. So, you know, most players by then have kind of like done, you know, they've reached their peak as it were. But if he continues just contributing the way he has been for the next 
this season, next season, whatever. And yeah, it'll have been a success. But ultimately, it's just on trophies. And the good news for Liverpool is they're in one final and they're still in a chance with the other three. Yeah, absolutely. As long as he keeps doing what he's doing, I think Jurgen Klopp will be pretty happy with that. It's interesting whenever we do these Q&As, Hannah, we always get questions about the formation. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp has toyed a little bit with a 4-2-3-1 at times, a 4-3-3. Obviously, Thiago can play in in each of, of those systems. And Aki Johansson asks, could we see now, presumably with the addition of Luis Diaz in mind as well, a bit more of a, a change up in formations for Liverpool moving forwards? Could it be that they go for a 4-4-2 or a 4-2-3-1? Or do you think this 4-3-3 is just best suited to this Liverpool squad and, and this might be the way that he just continues to, to move with? That's an interesting one. I, I feel like, you know, Particularly for the big games, we we know he likes his four three three, um, and you know that I feel like probably allows for the most control, particularly in the midfield. Um, but he's certainly got the attacking options that he's you know he's he's got the ability to do that. You know you can play you can drop Firmino a little bit deeper and put Jota up front, and it allows you to get you know pretty much all your main attackers on the pitch. Um, particularly against low block sides when when you're in search of a goal. Um, you know, you sometimes do see Klopp turn to that. So whether or not we see a bit more of that in the second half of the season, who knows? But I, I highly doubt it'll be a, you know, you'd see a, you know, complete switch and a complete change in his formations in terms of starting in a, in a, in a lot of games. So um, certainly the, the flexibility within the squad that, he you know, he's got options, he can change it up when he needs to. But I highly doubt, maybe... In, in terms of the Carvalho links as well, I've seen some some fans saying that maybe that's an indicator of what he might look to do in the future in terms of bringing in some, you know, more attack-minded midfielders in terms of having that number ten role in a four-two-three-one. But um, certainly, you know, with the players that he's got at the moment and, and with where we're at with the squad, I don't see any major, you know, formation switches um, permanently. But um, I imagine it'll just be the same as usual, really, where you know he changes it up when he needs to, and he and he's got the options to do so. Yeah, certainly good to have the option, isn't it? Even if he does stick with a four-three-three in the main. Just one last question to go, Papa Noel, which I'm assuming is uh, a pseudonym, but you never know. Thorny, he asks uh, everyone. I'd like asking, to think that is his real name. I'd like to think that's his real name. Yeah. Yeah. Let let let's say it is. Hopefully, I've not offended him there. If it is, um, everyone is asking about Mohamed Salah's contract. Papa asks, but I want to know what about Jurgen Klopp? Is there a chance that the boss could sign an extension beyond 2024 as well? I got asked this question on a podcast the other week. Or I don't even know whether it was a podcast or whatever it was. And then one of our friendly neighbourhood fan websites picked up on the quote that had said. And, and no, I know what it was. It was a Q&A. It was a Q&A on our, on our, our website. And uh, I'd said, yeah, I reckon he'll go at the end of his contract. You know, he's he'll have already lasted longer than he has any other job. I mean, there's some James Milner quotes uh, seen today where he basically said that last year he thought that, that Klopp looked like he was getting... You know, losing a little bit of energy yet, given not just managing Liverpool, but managing Liverpool in a time of the you know the pandemic, no fans, all the injuries. He's obviously worrying about his own family as well, and he it kind of affected him in in that way. But this season, you know, Miller said he's been fine. He's been you know he's been back to his old self. He's been incredible. He's been driving Liverpool forward in the dressing room and on the training ground. So in that respect, he's enjoying it just as much as he he probably has done for a while, which always helps when you're winning, obviously. But yeah, I think. At the end of his contract, I would be very surprised if he signed another one because 
the other thing as well is what how old is he going to be like 54 55 but yeah, I mean, I'm 45 covering Liverpool and I'm tired. So imagine what he's like. What do you mean he's like actually being the manager of them and having to face people like me every other day doing a press conference? So it's no wonder he gets a little bit, you know, that's before any of his actual job that he's supposed to be doing winning games, signing players, picking the right teams, training them, et cetera, et cetera. So it's quite a lot to do when you then put on top of that the pressure of, you know, trying to win win things and, and chase a Man City team that's, well, we all know what they've got behind them, so which Liverpool don't have, and let's face it, practically nobody else does either. So there is all of that, and, you know, he's a, he's a very passionate man. He can distance himself from certain things, but I think, you know, it's, it's a job that we've seen. We've seen, you know, we saw what happened with Jared Hude with the job. We saw what happened with Rafa Benitez. We've seen what happened with Kenny Dalglish. We saw what happened with Brendan Rodgers, actually, to a certain degree, is that, it can, you know, just take over your life and, you know, it doesn't always have a positive effect. But, yeah, Klopp seems to have avoided that. And if he gets to nine years and he says, I've had enough, thank you very much, I don't think anyone's going to have a, you know, blame him too much for it. Because he'll have been, what is it, Liverpool's longest-serving manager since since Bob Paisley and then Bill Shankly, which, if he's up there with those two, then he's obviously done something right. Is there not a temptation, though, when you think of, obviously, you mentioned there, behind closed doors for, for one of those seasons, hasn't had the chance to celebrate the Premier League well, title. Does that right. season count? Well, well, yeah, it does count. Don't say that. I had to go to all of the games. Let's go through sit through them. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying, because I've actually th- I've thought this at the time. It's like, it wasn't so much, much the fact, you think of there's so many players who are at the peak, not just Liverpool, but across the world, who played an entire season, more than a season, where they got to the end of it and went, this wasn't proper football. We may have been kicking a ball around, and, you know, the same rules and everything, but it wasn't the reason why we came into the game and why we we get paid all this money that we do get paid. So, you know, I think uh, no, I don't. I don't think you can say it doesn't count. In fact, if anything, it's the fact that he probably might have definitely had enough because he had to get through that season. That's what's taken it out of him. But you know, at the moment, he's he's clearly planning for the future. He's, he's going to be there for at least another what, two years and two and a bit years. So it was the end of the season, another two. So I wouldn't be worrying about it too much. When it gets to like that last season, it starts. And if Liverpool start well, that's when the clamour will begin, I would I would imagine. Yeah, it'd be interesting on the, the timing of when he decides to do one thing or the other as well. I'm sure he won't want that to sort of overshadow whatever it is that season that, that happens. But uh, I think that'll do us just about all we've got time for on this Blood Red Q&A special. Thank you to Ian and to Hannah for your answers. Thank you for submitting your questions as well. I'm sure we'll do one of these again very soon. But for the time being, thank you very much. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Agenda Podcast on the Blood Red Channel.